right. C.S. Lewis writes in his book, Screwtape Letters, he says this in the introduction. He says, there are two equal and opposite errors in which our race, the human race, makes about the devils. One is to disbelieve their existence at all, and the other is to believe and feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. They themselves are equally pleased by both of these errors and hail the materialist or the magician with the same light. Some people have dismissed the idea of the devil altogether, thinking that it is ridiculous to believe in some uh, little man in red tights with horns. They say, I can't believe in a creature like that, so they decide that the devil doesn't even exist at all. There is a line from one of my favorite movies, The Usual Suspects, that says the greatest trick that the devil ever pulled was convincing the world that he didn't exist. But also, to C.S. Lewis's point, there are other on the other side of that coin who have become so fascinated with the devil that they think of little else. And they blame every little hiccup in their lives and every ordinary problem in their life and every difficulty that they have in somebody else's personality as a direct cause from devilish intervention. And I believe, as Lewis believed, that we need to try to steer a path somewhere between these two extremes. Today, as we come to the end of our study of 1 Peter, I believe that Peter is going to show us and teach us how we can resist our enemy, the devil. He is a roaring lion, but we can learn to fight against him. So if you have your Bibles, if you would turn with me over to 1 Peter, and we're going to be there in chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5. If you don't have a Bible, we've got some on the back table. We'd love to give you a copy of God's Word for you to have on your own. Please take one as a gift from us. Uh, We'd love to give you a copy of God's Word. If you're looking for 1 Peter, it's uh, almost at the very end of your Bible. It comes right after the book of James and right before 2 Peter. If you get to Revelation, you've gone too far, go back a couple of pages. 1 Peter chapter 5, and we're going to start there in verse 8, and we'll have it up here on the screen as well. Peter says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. Let's pause there for just a moment. Excuse me. Um, I'm in the wrong spot. I read the, the paragraph before. <laughs> Be alert, verse 8, and sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of suffering. We'll pause there now. (laughs) Sorry about that. So let me ask you, as we think about the devil, does your ideas about the devil line up with what Peter tells us here? 
Peter gives us four ways that we can prepare to stand up against the devil, our enemy, the roaring lion. Peter says that in order for us to stand up against our enemy, we first must be alert. He says, be alert. Be on guard. Friends, I can't tell you how many times I have said, I will never struggle with this sin. And the next thing I know, I'm wondering how in the world I got in the middle of this sin. I can't tell you how many conversations I've had with other people who said, you know what, I will never have to worry about this sin or that sin. And then the next thing they know, they're in the middle of it. I'll never cheat on my spouse. I'll never steal. I'll never, you fill in the blank. And then the next thing that they know, there they are in the middle of that thing that they said they would never struggle with. Scripture tells us that pride comes before the fall. And so we must be alert. Because if we are not alert, if we are not on guard, that is the area in which we will fall. David, when he should have been out with his armies, was back in Jerusalem. Staying up in the middle of the night walking around when he sees Bathsheba in the house next door. In the areas that we think that we won't struggle in, that will be the very areas where our enemy will attack. Pride goes before the fall. And if we are going to stand up against our enemy, the roaring lion, then we must be alert. Peter says, We must be on guard. Secondly, Peter tells us that we must be of sober mind. We must be clear-headed. You know, it's easy for us to get worked up, especially when things aren't going as we think they should, right? In the face of persecution, in the face of suffering, in the face of hardship, in the face of difficulty, it's easy for us to get worked up. It's easy for us in those moments to lose our cool. When we are faced with pain, it's easy for us to allow our emotions to distort our thinking. And so Peter says, be sober in mind. Be sober in your thinking. Some of you may remember a number of years ago, a man named Dylan Roof walked into a church building in Charleston, South Carolina, and shot and took the lives of nine of our brothers and sisters. You may remember that, but I wonder, do you remember what their families did almost immediately afterwards? These families of the ones who had been shot went to the prison where Dylan Roof was being held, and they go in to see him, and this is what they told him. They said, I forgive you. My family forgives you. And we want you to take this opportunity to repent. Friends, this is what being sober of mind, even in the face of fire and persecution and suffering, looks like. 
stand up against our enemy, the roaring lion, the devil, by being alert, by being sober of mind, and by keeping a clear head. And then third, Peter says, resist him. Fight him. You know, when Paul lists for us the armor of God that we are to put on in order to resist and stand firm against the devil's schemes, the only offensive weapon that Paul lists for us is the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And friends, this thing right here, God's Word, the Bible, is essential for us to use if we are going to resist the devil, if we are going to stand up against his schemes. We must use the sword of the Spirit, the very word of God. If you remember when Jesus faced the devil in the wilderness, with every temptation that the enemy brought against him, you know what he said? He said, well, you know, I feel like I should not do this, right? (laughs) That's not what Jesus said at all, was it? He didn't say, well, culture taught me that I should have this. I saw this on TikTok, and so, man, maybe this should be what I do. That's not what Jesus said at all, is it? Every single temptation that Jesus faced, he said, it is written. Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God, he, when he temptation, used the very word of God. It is written. And friends, the devil knows what God has told us, and he will try to twist and deceive us. And so it is essential for us to know and use God's word. Because our enemy will come and say, Well, did God really say that? And if we don't know what God really has said, then we will not be able to resist those temptations. We must use the word of God to resist our enemy, to fight our enemy. But we can only use the word of God, the Bible, if we are ourselves studying the word of God if we are daily taking God's word in for ourselves. And so, I I ask this all the time, but it's so essential. So don't get tired of hearing this. But are you daily reading and studying God's word? Man, that is so essential for us. I know that sounds so basic, but it's so important. We have a goal here as a church that we want to be like the Bereans. And the Bereans, they examined Scripture every single day. Friends, it is so important for us, especially when we're talking about resisting our enemy, the devil, that we are examining God's Word every single day so that we aren't deceived when the truth is twisted. So that we aren't tripped up when we hear something that's not right. In fact, here at Journey Church, we say it like this. We say that we grow by studying the Bible together. We increase our desire not only to know the inspired and errant word, but to humbly obey its truth in everyday life. You see, it's not just about knowing it, 
That's important. But it's also about us obeying it. It's knowing it and then doing what it says. To stand up against our enemy, the roaring lion, we must every single day grow in studying God's word. This is the only way that we can stand firm against his attacks. Now, what Peter isn't saying here, he isn't saying that if we doubt or have questions, that somehow we are going to be attacked and tripped up by the roaring lion, that somehow our doubt equals uh, us falling for his schemes. That's not what Peter is saying. But sometimes that's what we think. If we question or if we doubt that somehow we are going And when I doubt, I, I am often reminded of John the Baptist. John the Baptist was the first person to ever point people to Jesus. <laughs> and he pointed a lot of people to Jesus. And he led a lot of people to repent of their sins. And then when things got tough for John, he was arrested for that. Do you know what he did? He doubted. He said, Jesus, I know I've pointed a lot of people to you, but are you really the one? If anybody shouldn't have doubted, it was John the Baptist, and yet he still doubted. And when he doubted, do you know what J Jesus said? He said, look and see for yourself. Look and see for yourselves. Friends, when we doubt, when we have questions about God, I ask that you not be lazy about it. Search for answers. God is big enough to take your questions, but you have to search. Don't be lazy. Don't say, well, you know what? I saw this reel on Instagram. This 60-second video gives me all the theology that I need to have for my life. Or I had this one conversation with somebody, and now all of my answers... So my theology is done. Search for answers. And search for answers from the source. God has spoken to us in his word. So search for answers in his word. When John the Baptist doubted, Jesus says, See for yourself, the blind receive sight, the lame walk. Those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Friends, when we doubt, search for answers and know that you are not alone in your doubts. Also, if as Peter has been addressing to us, we are suffering for our faith, remember that you are not alone in that suffering. Peter says, remember that if you are going through this, believers throughout the world undergo the same kind of suffering. Friends, if you feel overwhelmed with temptation, remember what God has told us, that no temptation has overtaken you, but which is common towards others. And God is faithful, and he will allow you, uh, will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able to bear, but will give you a way of escape so that you will be able to endure it. 
And one of the things that I have found is that oftentimes that way of escape is actually God giving me the strength to go through it and pass through and resist that temptation. Now, most of the time, as we've been studying Peter's first letter, it's been very aware to us of the persecutions that those believers that he was writing to were going through. And and we can easily see those persecutions from people who are outside of the church. And it can be easy for us as followers of Jesus to begin to demonize and and our visible human opponents and to regard those people as the real source of our problem. And even though we may have strong human persecutors, they are not, in fact, our enemy. The real enemy is the devil. And he may be using those people, but our battle is not against flesh and blood, as we will see in a little bit. Now, on the other side of that, we can also get to a place where we, as Lewis pointed out, become so fascinated with the devil that we begin to blame every little thing and problem that we have as the devil tripping me up. Well, it's James who told us in James chapter 1, verse 14, but each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desires and enticed. Friends, our enemy, the devil, does not come to us like he did with Job all of the time. More often, our enemy comes to us like he did Adam and Eve, with good-looking fruit. Why take all of our stuff and our family when all he has to do is getting us fighting with one another? Why try to take everything when all he has to do is get us tripped up and focused on him? I've heard one of our elders, Jeff, quote this many times. The devil doesn't go to bars late on Saturday night. He goes home and goes to sleep so that he can be at church early on Sunday morning. Friends, in order for us to resist the devil, to stand up against the schemes of our enemy, we must put on the full armor of God and be ready to fight. We read Paul's words in Ephesians chapter 6, and we see very similar, similar language to what Peter uses for us to resist and prepare to fight. He says in verse 11 of Ephesians 6, put on the full armor of God so that you are able to take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's not our earthly persecutors, but against the rulers and against the authorities and against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. Friends, I want you to notice that if we are going to resist the devil, if we are going to fight against temptation, then we can't do it by our own strength. We can only do it with the strength of God. But if we are going to stand up against our enemy, the roaring lion, if we are going to resist him, then we must be alert. We must be of sober mind. We must stand firm in our faith, remembering that we are only holding our part of the line. 
and that our brothers and sisters who stand beside us and our brothers and sisters around the world are holding their part as well. Here at Journey Church, we say it like this. We say that we build strong relationships walking side by side through the messiness of life with prayer, accountability, and encouragement. Friends, we hold our part of the line only when we hold it together. I don't know how many of you have seen either pictures or images of Navy SEALs as they are in their first week of training, but one of the the images that always stands out to me in that training is when they lock arm in arm with their life vest on, and they wade out into the crashing waves, and then they lay down, and they sit there holding arm in arm together. Man, what a powerful image of what it should look like for us as the church to stand firm against our enemy, the devil. We must do that together. We must connect with one another. We must walk side by side through the messiness of life together. And friends, Sunday morning is only part of that. Life groups are where really those relationships are built and grown. And if you aren't part of a life group, you need to be. Whether it's one of the seven life groups that we have here at Journey Church, or whether it's a life group that's outside of Journey Church, or whether you go and start your own life group, it doesn't matter to us. But what matters to us is that you are connecting with other believers. We cannot resist our enemy, the devil, without each other. And we cannot resist our enemy, the devil, without the strength of our God and our Father. Friends, the devil is real, and he is a roaring lion that is prowling around looking to devour us. Whether that's deceiving us uh, to believe that he doesn't exist or by leading us to be over-consumed with him, that we blame every little problem and issue in our life on him. Either way, he's happy. He's the father of lies. But if we are going to stand up against him, then we must be alert. We must be of sober mind. We must resist him. We must stand firm in the faith together with our brothers and sisters. And finally... If we are going to stand up against the roaring lion, we must remember the promises of our all-powerful God and Father. Look at verse 10 of 1 Peter. Peter says, And the God of all grace, who called you into his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered for a little while, will himself restore you, and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. Friends, if we are going to resist the devil, then we must constantly be reminded of the promises of God. God, who has called us into eternal glory through his son, Jesus Christ, God has promised us, as Peter points out, four things here. That when our time of suffering in this life is done, he promises us that God 
will first restore us. He will repair us. He will fix us. He will make us sound and complete. The really cool part about this process is that it starts here and now. It won't be complete until we are in eternal glory with God. But the Holy Spirit begins starting this process of restoring us now. The Bible calls this sanctification. It's the work that the Holy Spirit does on us. God begins this work here and now, and it will be complete when we are with him for all eternity. Secondly, Peter says that God will strengthen us, will make us strong. Even in the face of danger and suffering, we will be strengthened not by our own strength, but by God's strength. We will be carried even when we can't crawl ourselves. Third, Peter reminds us of the promise that God will make us firm. He will confirm us. He will make us stable. Think about how unstable these early believers that Peter was writing to must have been, being persecuted by their own countrymen, and to be reassured that one day that Jesus would make them firm. And that may not be until he returns, but one day he will be made firm. And lastly, Peter reminds us of the promise of God, that God will make us steadfast, that he will establish us that we will be set up on him as a firm foundation. We've already seen that we, like living stones, are being built on the foundation that is Jesus. So take courage and remember the promises of God. Remember that our hope is not in this world. Our hope is not in our current circumstances. Our hope is not in our suffering. Our hope is not even in our own abilities. Our hope is not in other people or anything else. Our hope is in God alone. And he promises to restore us, to strengthen us, to make us firm, and to make us steadfast. And to him be the power and dominion forever and ever. Amen. C.S. Lewis said that God has no opposite. There is no being that could attain perfect badness to God's opposite and perfect goodness. Friends, our hope is in the all-powerful God creator. And there is no one and no thing that compares to him. He is perfect and he restores us. He makes us firm. He gives us strength and makes us steadfast, building us together as his church. Remember what Peter has already told us, that we are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that we may declare the praises of him who has called us out of the darkness and into his wonderful light. Once we were not a people, but now we are his people, the people of God. Once we had not received mercy, but now we have received his mercy. This is who God is, and this is who he has made us. Our enemy, 
the roaring lion, is prowling around. But we must remember the end of his story. In Revelation 20, we see down in verse 10, it says, And the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of burning sulfur, where the beast and the false prophet had been thrown, and they will be tormented day and night forever. Friends, our enemy doesn't win. The end of the game has already been played. We just get to watch it as it unfolds. And our hope is found in the one who defeats our enemy. Our hope is found in the one who brings us and makes us his people. And in Revelation 21, in verse 1, he says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. The first heaven and the first earth had passed away. There was no longer any more sea. And I saw a holy city, a new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the, uh, among the people, and he will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them and be their God. And he'll wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there'll be no more death or mourning, or crying, or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. And then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the thirsty. I will give water without cost from the spring of water of life. And, there, and those who are, are victorious will inherit all of this. And I will be their God. And they will be my children. Friends, this is who our hope is in. And this is what we long for. Even in the midst of our suffering. So friends, let me ask you this morning. What is your hope in? Is it in God or is it in something else? And friends, if it is in God, then we must stand up against our enemy, the roaring lion, the devil, by being alert, being sober-minded. And resisting him, standing firm in our faith by remembering the promises that our faithful God has made. And friends, if your hope is in anything or anyone else, then I want you to know today that salvation is only found in Jesus. So won't you come and put your hope in him today? We pray with me? Father, we thank you for the grace that you give us that we don't deserve. We thank you that our hope can be placed in your Son. And our hope is in you. Father, remind us of your promises, of what you have, have told us. So that when we face temptation, when we face sin, and when we face our enemy, we are able to stand firm against his attacks having put on your armor, having prepared our hearts and our minds for battle. So, Father, help us to be alert.
Help us to be clear in our mind and in our thinking. Help us to resist our enemy. Help us to stand firm in our faith by standing firm together. And remind us of all of your promises. Father, we thank you. We thank you that even though it may seem like it to us, you have no opposite and equal. No one and no thing compares to you. Father, you are all powerful. You are all knowing. Father, you sustain life. And life everlasting is only found in you. Father, would you guide us as we seek to be your people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Father, forgive us for falling short. Give us the strength. And Father, would you produce in us the fruit of your spirit. Make us into the people that you have called us to be. Father, if there are those that are far from you, would you call them to yourself today? Lead them to come and repent and meet your son in baptism. Father, be with us as we take this time to remember the sacrifice of your son, Jesus. And Father, we ask all of this in his name. Amen.